You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So, like, the cosmic yucky feeling of recording this particular episode on Pearl Harbor Day is... <laughs> wow, I feel like it... All of the episodes that we had to skip during quarantine and everything that's ever messed up our schedule and the fact that we're recording a day early, it's like the stars aligned to make us feel kind of bad. And we were already going to feel kind of bad. Yeah. So this is just like the cherry on top, the sprinkle, if you will. Yep. Um, Before we get into why we hate this great nation, I do want to give a quick happy time shout out to everybody who tagged us in your Spotify wrapped. Every time we got a tweet or a DM or anything being like, just so you guys know, you were in my Spotify reps, we, I, it was like euphoric in this apartment. It yes. was so awesome. I can't believe that you guys have spent listening to our voices for what it looks like if you listen to every episode this year, it was close to 3,000 minutes. Which, good for you. What? Because why? You don't find me annoying yet? Um, really? Do you want me to be more annoying? I don't understand. Because I'll work harder at it. It is crazy, but oh my God, am I so incredibly thankful and humbled, I guess, honored. I really could not stop smiling. Yeah. The those, whole time. Those tweets were rolling in and I was like, this is fake, right? Cannot be real. No. And then I, being like telling people like, oh yeah, like people, I was like on people's Spotify wrapped and they were like, you were. And I was like, okay, bad friends. Yes, I was. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. Um, but in a, a time of uh, immense uh, shit, as you might call 2020, that was Suffering. Like, we have been suffering. We really just needed the W. We got this win. It really just lightened up um, our spirits going into the Christmas season. Uh, so we're, we're really happy to see that. And we're happy you guys listen. And we appreciate you and everyone's comments and everything and... We are tremendously grateful. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, And now we're about to make you feel pretty shitty by talking about (laughs) Japanese internment. Oh my God. Um, So this episode of Teen Wolf is interesting. It is one of the only pieces of like mass media besides a spare few movies that like focus in on Japanese internment. Cause if you know anything about history, uh, the people who are the big players will erase the parts that make them look really bad. Yeah. That's kind of actually the, what this nation was built on. <laughs> um, <laughs> just very casually, but in terms of world war two, like there's a lot of like the way that like French history is taught mm-hmm. that like denounces some of the things that the French did in world war two. And it's all very complex. So, we first want to say that we are not experts by any means on the crisis of Japanese internment in these United States. Nor are we Japanese, so Nor we can't comment on that either. No, pretty white. Um, so we're going to try to speak as sensitively and critically about this episode as possible. And then we also have a lot of listeners who aren't from the U.S., uh, so we're going to do a little quick little intro about what was happening um, so when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, which is what brought the United States into World War II, the reaction to that was, um, basically a law that allowed states to kick out their Japanese residents. And those people got put into internment camps, which were basically prisons. Um, they weren't like concentration camps, like what you saw in 
Europe at the time um, during the Holocaust. They were giant prisons. Um, at one point, at the highest point, 120,000 um, Japanese Americans were interned, as well as German Americans. Um, many of these Japanese people were American citizens in second and third generation included, so people who had been in the country for a very long time. Uh, the internment lasted from 1942 to 1946, which actually is a crazy long time. It's a crazy long time and lasts past the end of the war, mm-hmm. which is devastating. Um, in the 80s, President Carter launched an investigation um, in order to basically apologize, um, but very little has ever actually come of that. And due to, again, America being like, we didn't do anything wrong, it is generally a subject not touched on um, in World War II media, which is a really big part of the American movie industry. Yeah. It's Um, kind of nuts. Yeah. That that's never, never really a part of it. Yeah. And I mean, like, some, like, how many World War II movies have been up for Best Picture over the years? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how many World War II books does your dad have on his shelf and how many of them yeah. touch on Japanese internment? So again, not by any means a topic we are experts in. That was basically a primer uh, for anybody who, who doesn't know, but I, I actually feel like maybe many of our American listeners wouldn't know much of that facts because we were on the Wikipedia page this whole episode kind of Googling as we went along. Um, so again, we're going to try to speak as sensitively as possible about this, um, while also being critical of this show because they, while they are one of the only pieces of media to touch on this, they also didn't do a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're hoping that this can still sort of be a, uh, I don't want to say lighthearted, but a, um, well put together episode of the Rewolf, uh, even though it's going to have to be a little bit darker than usual. Feels weird that this is the last, like, main uh, episode like episode for the the main show that we're doing of the year, but isn't that just 2020? We'll ring it in on an excellent note in 2021. Yeah, very soon. Yeah, but then Allison dies. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that as we were watching, and I was like, "We are. We have three more episodes with her, and then we have to say goodbye." Yeah. Also and then this, there's the one. Yeah, in season five. Also, this episode really could have used some uncomfortable Isaac Leahy humor. It was so dour. It was so dour. There was not one joke. There was not one moment of levity in the entire episode, except for Parrish, like, telling Chris that his, like, uh, like a a taser taser was, like, a lightsaber. And I guess we were supposed to find that funny because there's, like, a couple Star Wars references that show up in Teen Wolf. But I was like, Uh oh, we are just going to sit here and be sad the whole time. I think perhaps we were supposed to get that levity from the initial romance in which um unsuccessful at least for us we did not like that yeah at all well let's get into it uh first Mm -hmm. we have to do our our 60 second recap um before we do that this episode was called the fox and the wolf yes uh and it was written by angela harvey and a guy called ian stokes he's also written for luke cage and iron fist um and directed by tim andrew which I actually like the way it looked. The directing was so. not my problem. And some of the art design I didn't mind. Like, I thought, like, the sort of 40s aesthetic was, like, pretty well-researched in terms of, like, what people would be looking like in the 40s, but probably not 
the internment camps I probably wouldn't have a, a full manicure yeah probably oh her nails looked so good yeah why I, I don't know um, but we will touch on all of that as we move through the episode uh, Julia you are going first on the recap I am are you um, ready well sure let's say that I am okay um I have to pull up my clock sorry that's okay all right I got gotcha. you mm-hmm. on the count of three yeah one two Okay, so there are some army dudes who are throwing bodies out of a truck and they're going to try to burn them. And then the Nogitune gets up and kills both of them. Flash forward to Scott and Kira are talking about kind of everything that's happened. Um, Kira's dad is at the school and Styles shows up um, and tries to torture him into finding out where Kira's mom's last tale is. Uh, Scott and Kira come to the ho- the school and they're like, you have to tell us everything about what's going on. And so Kira's mom is like, I'm 900 years old and a kitsune and I was interned in Japanese internment in World War II. Um, the sheriff let Chris and Derek out and they decide that they're going to go looking for styles. Um, the In the Japanese internment camp, Kira's mom is like stealing medicine and food and stuff and she falls in love with one of the officers and um, that doesn't go very well because eventually everybody starts getting pneumonia and there's a riot basically because the doctor is selling medicine on the black market and somebody a a child dies and they end up massacring a whole bunch of people Um, and Scott's basically like you're telling all this to stall because you want there's so much there's a lot yeah there's too much well not really there's just I think Minutia. that was, I think, yeah, I think that was another one where you got caught in up in, in the little de- little details. Uh, I did not take as rigorous plot notes as I have been, so that might have been why. Okay, that's funny because I feel like when <laughs> I'm picking out like the teeny weeny stuff, it's because I have like detailed notes, and I'm like, oh, but that was important. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of uh, detailed notes, are you ready? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, in three, two, one. So the cold open is two American soldiers like about to burn some bodies and then a mummy rises up and kills them because they're telling riddles or something. And then Styles shows up at the school and threatens Mr. Yukimura to get the last tale because the Oni are coming uh, or like no gets any Styles. And then Chris and Derek go free because the sheriff gets them, gets their charges dropped. And then Kira and Scott like have to go to find, Kira gets a phone call from Rob and they go, go, go to help the dad. And, and she's like, mom, you have to tell me, tell me what's happening. Cause there's this picture that was in the no gets in his pocket. And then she's like, oh, I'm 900 years old. And here's my story about falling in love with a, a soldier at the internment camp. And then meanwhile, they're like making a plan to go find styles. And at the, in the flashback, like Kira's mom is like stealing stuff. And then she realizes that the doctors in the internment camp are um, selling all the medicine and people are getting sick and they're dying. And there's this huge riot. And then, and there's a werewolf um, named Satomi, and she comes back, and then somebody throws a Molotov cocktail at the guy at Reese, who's the guy she's dating, and he dies, and then she's really gets really hurt, and in her like panic, she calls Anugatsune, who possesses the body. Yeah, <laughs> oops. <laughs> and then at the end, Styles leaves everyone a message, and they find him at the loft. Yeah, yeah, on a chessboard, which is very appropriate. Uh huh. For him. Mm hmm. Um. It's hard. The, the dueling stories. I think we had the same problem when we did the episode with Paige. Yeah, where it, it was like there's two, two, two stories, too much. Plot notes are void at that point. Void. I, <laughs> I actually think that they might have been able to execute this a lot better if it had not been switching back and forth so rapidly. Like if the main chunk of this the episode was the flashback. Yeah. You mentioned to me while we were listening that if you wanted this season to be centered around a story that starts in an internment camp, it cannot be a one-off episode of a show like Teen Wolf. And it would have to be entirely 
that. And shows do that all the time. Like at, at random shows where it will just be an entire flashback episode. And we don't know here, know anything that's happening in the current time. And I would way rather that have happened, you know? Yeah. It's really frustrating. And I, I think this is one like a chronic problem with Teen Wolf where episodes that are supposed to be like these huge reveals end up feeling really lackluster. And part of that comes down to, I think, really poor writing, lazy writing in particular in this episode. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the idea that they had planned the entire season around this idea because, you know, where else do they get the Nogitsune? Like they clearly knew where it came from. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was kind of like, why... Do I care? Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think you're right that some of the heavy hitter episodes do often not live up to expectation because of because of trying to divide your time like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when the B plot of this episode uh, doesn't amount to anything. No, they go on like a wild goose chase to find Styles. Kind of. There's a really good scene with Sheriff and Allison in an elevator. The radiator is really going at it right now. <laughs> the OG listeners are like, ha, ah, the radiator, she's here. Um, there's a really good scene with uh, Allison and the sheriff, sheriff uh, that is is great, but could have happened in any other episode of Teen Wolf, honestly. Literally any other episode. So while we're digging into this, uh, it's time to sort of introduce our theme. So the theme this week is consequences. Um of which there are many people really have to start, you know, living up to their mistakes mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in this episode. So I think obviously we should probably start with, um, the Yukimura family. Yeah. Who do you, who do you want to tackle first there? Cause really there's only one person, <laughs> one person really. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, kind of Kira. Kind of. Yeah. Sort of. But, um, her mom, Noshiko. Noshiko. Sorry. I like have it written down. I was like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, Noshiko obviously is the sort of center point of this story. And she has for this whole season been basically dealing with the consequences of her actions in sort of a background way. Um, and, and tried to have a hand in, in the, uh, experiences of our, you know, main cast by sort of pushing Kira in different directions. Um, but it's interesting to me that there was never a conversation with Kira previous to this one where she's like, you are this kind of kitsune. You have this power. They don't really even actually address that, even in the, the episode where she stops the uh, the electricity at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They never have this talk, so it, it kind of feels unearned. But it also feels to me like Noshiko, the second she has that conversation with Kira, she has to tell Kira the horrible thing she did. Mm-hmm. And even though they are living through the consequences of it now, admitting to it is so much harder. Yeah. And she has a really, um, like a a complete lack of empathy for what Scott is going through. Um, thinking about the fact that, you know, his best friend might be gone and he might have to kill him, which is essentially what like Noshiko had to do with the person that she, loved yeah Reese uh with Reese and but I think that's why she has so little sympathy she's a little bit like why I dealt with it so it's time for you to understand that there are bigger things at hand um I can understand where you would get that idea but it's also her fault yeah so I don't know if she um I don't know if she actually perceives those things as the same entity 
You uh, know, I think that there's probably like a sort of uh, mental division. Maybe. Yeah, I people think people are really good at that. Yeah, um, especially Nishiko, who has been doing that this whole time. She's the queen of compartmentalization. <laughs> She's 900 years old. I guess that's how you survive. Yeah. To be 900. She's like, what is a therapist going to tell me? I'm 900 (laughs) years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like I, I think it's really interesting that one mistake can be the centerpiece of, um, of a season of, of television. I wish it had been introduced earlier, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, Unfortunately, and I think that they were really trying to do that. Like they had Barrow with the flies coming out of him and the, you know, Oni turn into fireflies or whatever. Like there were these little breadcrumbs, but there was nothing connecting them. And because this episode comes so late in the season, um, people have probably forgotten about a lot of instances where you were like, oh, that connects to this thing, yada, yada. We're coming back to the Nematon, which has kind of been like, I don't know, thrown in. Yeah. In the season. We and we know that that's part of why um Styles is having the problems that he has, but now we have the explicit answer. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that this episode doesn't happen right after Riddled. I feel like mm-hmm. that would be the natural progression of the season that this would be episode seven. Mm-hmm. Because again, the B plot doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um because the B plot of this episode is, is they even say it. It's like, he's just getting us to repeat our moves. And I was like, that could have been a comment doing that next time. Um, so it does, it does feel a little strange to push it that far. I even wonder if they had re- had to reorganize their season at any point in the writing process because of how out of place it seems. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, the story does sort of loop things in together. Um, and I think it's sort of interesting to me that Teen Wolf sort of, is so bent on telling stories where one thing can change the universe. It can mm. be just one instance, one action, um, one divine move, if you will. Ha ha ha. ha, ha. Um, and that is sort of can be in good ways. Um, and obviously ones that have horrible consequences. And it's interesting to me, um, that, you know, obviously what Nishiko is going through in the internment camp is, devastating um and what i found sort of most most interesting under sort of like an emotional perspective is that even though she has this immense power her and um satomi satomi Mm -hmm. have this like you know could it feasibly i guess rescue these people i don't actually know if that is a thing they're clearly guarded by the army um and then doesn't do anything in retaliation until the riot, which they're going to cover up. And I'm, I, I'm a little con- confused as to why she doesn't do anything previous. Or there's even some of some of the, the conversations had are a little bit blasé mm-hmm. amongst the prisoners. And I'm just a little like, I, why is this not more disturbing to hear about? You know? Yeah, you know, I actually was thinking about this, and. Um... Uh, so I, uh, at the University of Michigan, there's this amazing program called the Prison Creative Arts Project, and you go in and you get to do arts work um, in prisons and learning a lot about that. And I, one of the things that kept getting repeated to me over and over again is that you don't make movies about prison because prison is boring. <laughs> it's so fucking boring. You have nothing to do. Yeah. You spend days upon days just like doing the same shit 
over and over again. And um, because the internment is a lot like prison, um, I think they were really trying to manufacture drama and they kind of went way too far in one direction so that those really blasé conversations felt really out of place, but they probably weren't. They probably were very commonplace in internment camps. Like, I think the, the manufactured drama takes away from the actual drama of what might be going on in there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think, I don't really think it does the story justice to set it up in like a sort of supernatural universe. Um, if anything, it's disrespectful. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, and I also find, I do find it strange that um, Noshiko didn't do anything, and we li- we never find out also, what kind Also, this is not a victim-blaming thing. I'm not being like, why didn't the prisoners rebel earlier? I'm being like, she has a magic power. She has magic powers. Yeah, it, it and just doesn't make a lot of sense. obviously she was doing like a sort of her part by stealing all of the supplies for mm-hmm. her fellow prisoners. Um, but yeah, it, well, most, mostly what I'm saying is that like, she hasn't expressed enough resentment towards her captors to justify that the, like the summoning at the end. I don't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not reading that well. I mean, I, I get it. The, the problem is that like the, the final massacre is like so chaotic and there's no real moment where it's like at, at the end um, there's a pan over the grounds of Eichenhaus and you can see all of the people that the Nogitsune killed. And I think if there was a moment like that, it would be easier to understand because yes, of course it is horrific. Yeah. The concept of, of what had just happened, but there's no emo, there is no like emotional moment no. Well, you know what I, you know what I, you know what pissed me off actually hmm. is, and I, I, we need to break into talking about this relationship anyway, uh, is that her final decision to call down the Nogitsune to like punish these people for their crimes to like make the, the, the guards and these two, specifically these two men, I don't remember their names. It was like Merrick and something and something else, um, who were the ones selling the, the medicine, um, mm-hmm. uh, she decides to do that because she's put next to the body of Reese. And any story that is like a romantic story that I'm supposed to feel romantic feelings for about somebody being in love with their captor can fuck right off. Yeah. Sorry. There's Uh. absolutely no (laughs) nuance in telling that. And I'm sure it happened. I am because that that's crazy. shit happens all the time. The fact that there was no investigating as to why that is a crazy weird power dynamic and like why this is so, you know, why this relationship would happen in this time and place is very upsetting to me personally. And I'm sure a million people (laughs) over who watch this show. Again, another problem with the fact that this is a singular episode in the season. And so even if there were a way, and I I cannot possibly be the judge of whether or not there is a way to do that respectfully. Mm-hmm. There was no way they were going to achieve it. No, in and, one episode. Yeah, and the idea that the you know the the sort of system of oppression only faces retaliation because she has a crush on somebody who is part of the system. Like that is the only time consequences are experienced. Is 
really messed up messed up and i think if there had if i think if we if it had been approached as being like this is messed up and you should think this is messed up i wouldn't be as sort of um defensive as i am mm-hmm. um but i yeah i think that was sort of a poor execution um and i i they even mentioned while she's <laughs> In the beginning of this episode, when Noshiko is like sort of telling this love story, Scott kind of stops her and her and Kira kind of stops her and like this isn't what this is about. And I wish that she had been like, "You're right," and kept going. But no, it maintained to be about this like love story. Yeah, it is just icky. That's like the only word that I can really ascribe to it. Yeah. Um. And and also the notion. Okay, so the thing that I don't really understand is we've spent all season learning about how horrific a Nagitsune is and how horrific it is to be possessed by one and how difficult it is to get rid of and the havoc that it wreaks. Mm-hmm. And I I suppose I understand because she's like very weakened and probably not thinking straight, but a Kitsune who at that point is like 800 years old, don't you think that perhaps you would think for five fucking seconds before you called one down? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, but again, I think this goes back to like the sort of how the like horrors of being an internment weren't given enough attention. And that's why like there's, it, it doesn't feel like the value of calling down a no Gitsune like is answered by what she's experienced in the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. The fact that, um, nothing like this ever happened at an internment camp, unless there is some like deep state secret, well, I mean, they have made the they made very clear in this episode that this internment camp in the universe of Teen Wolf was a deep state yeah, secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, like I do think that uh, having it be this horrific massacre and everybody getting like gunned to death, not to mention the people who are currently dying in the hospital of pneumonia, um, just makes it all the worse. Like it, it's disrespectful to the actual experience of having been interned. Yes. Um, and I would say that the consequences faced don't necessarily, um, like answer the, the crime, the crime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Oh, I do want to argue one more thing about the, before we move into the sort of the other half of the episode, uh, one more thing is that the pneumonia plot is so ridiculously like it, it, it's so extra and stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Pneumonia is a real slow burn death and mm-hmm. people still die of pneumonia. Um, yeah, it really gets to you. But I will also say like there's a there was a million and four things that could have killed you. Uh, pandemic wise in 1940 like especially living in a camp like that yeah and to have it be pneumonia yeah is crazy um and the whole idea that these like doctors were selling medicine on the black market I think maybe even less the sort of epidemic of of pneumonia that makes more sense because like obviously in enclosed spaces disease travels Mm -hmm. crazy fast we know for a fact that there is mass COVID issues in the prison system. There's mass mm-hmm. everything issues in the prison system. Yeah. Um, because people are, are so confined. Uh, I guess I don't mind that being a plot. The fact that they're selling the medicine on the black market is absolutely asinine um, because these are all like military rations and like 
it probably wouldn't be that hard to come by, especially if you're selling aspirin and sulfa, which you wouldn't get any money for. You wouldn't get any money. For, like she mentions later that they'd sold all the morphine. Yeah. You'd make mm-hmm. a shitload selling morphine. You wouldn't make any selling antibiotics. No. Um, I not saying that like there are not bad actors in the army. Certainly there are. Um, but the time and effort and energy it would take to do something like that, not to mention the fact that like we, what is their motivation? For selling it on the black market. We never see any sort of like... You know what I'm sure happened? I'm sure uh, soldiers, because this happened in Europe as well, I'm sure soldiers took prisoners' valuables and sold them on the black market because that actually did happen. Yeah. And the idea that this was like a money-making scheme is really sort of, again, doesn't pay enough value to the horrors of internment where if this had been a plot line where they were like, they got rid of the medicine in efforts to like eliminate the Japanese population, which is a sickening and horrible thought. But, but also like, very true to American history in a lot of ways. Yeah. And also true to the time period. I would have been like, that's a really disturbing and disgusting detail, but also honors how horrible this is where like that just felt so flip. Like, <laughs> you know, I, um, I just finished a book that I complained about to you a lot uh-huh. where I was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the, the things that happened was like, uh, one of the characters ends up being sexually assaulted throughout much of the end period of the book, which is like the laziest choice that the writer could have made all for shock value. And I feel like this is suffering from the same problem where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be so evil if they were selling it on the black market? Because the black market is evil and selling medicine away from like children is evil. Those two things together. Oh my God. But it just is dumb. I like how unspecified the black market is. What black market? What are you getting for it? Yeah. Are you selling it to the mob? I believe that. But you didn't say that. Just the black market. Any, any, <laughs> anybody can walk into a drugstore and buy aspirin. Yeah, even in 1940. Yeah. Um, the bottle that uh, Noshiko pushes across the table to Satomi is like commercially packaged. Yeah. So Again, the only thing they'd be selling is the morphine. And I guess maybe the sulfa, but probably not. Probably not. It... We have complained because if time you need and time an, again. Because if you need antibiotics, you can walk into a doctor's office. Like, because you, you can't get high from antibiotics. You can't get high from aspirin. Nobody is selling that for like... It's not fun. Yeah, there's no profit in it. Because again, you could buy it at the drugstore. This is just another classic example of nobody on the Teen Wolf writing staff does any goddamn does any research. research. And obviously, like I think a, a story where they were like, we're doing this to make you suffer is way too dark for Teen Wolf. Uh, but would at least sort of make sense in this universe. Again, consequences in this episode are not like amounted to the actual like details previous. They also um, kind of push the body horror in a direction that is not typically seen on Teen Wolf in this episode. Yeah, th- there's a, a full body burning and a decapitation. And like just the the close up of watching the Nugitsune shoot the gun to the guy's stomach like three or four times is horrific i said to you so while we were gross. watching there's so few gun deaths in this show that seeing them is very, very upsetting well so like if you're gonna change the language of how violence works on the show you might as well go the extra mile yeah they did it was gross <laughs> it was gross um do you have any more thoughts of <laughs> nishiko and consequence i know this has been a very chaotic discussion but i think that this is an episode that especially in sort of our adult lives we're having a way harder time wrapping our brains around um, I think when I watched this when I was 
I probably would have been 17 maybe. Um, it was just sort of being like, oh, that's crazy. And then kept going, you know, I like knew that internment happened and I had, you know, whatever, but yeah, I wasn't thinking about it in any, and I wasn't thinking about it in a way that had to be addressed on a podcast. <laughs> I, I think the most disappointing factor of it all is just that they didn't take the time or the effort to make this story compelling, um, or do it in a respectful manner. So, you know, now that we have to sit here and talk about it, I'm like, mm, I'm not giving you a cookie for that. No, no. And the fact, like, nobody cracked open a book for this. You did, they did not even go to Wikipedia. No. And we know, because we went to Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, so let's move into the other plot um, of this episode. Mm-hmm. So this is what's going on with Allison, Derek, Chris and the sheriff, which is such an unlikely crew, but I've also feel like we haven't gotten a lot of Allison recently. And because Isaac is still out of commission, mm-hmm. um, very tragically, I, again, I'm very much sensing, like I'm very much missing him and Lydia. Yeah. The, I was really glad that we didn't have to like randomly see Ethan and Aiden in this episode, like we did in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did kind of miss, our other compatriots. Yeah. And especially Lydia, because she's so invested in the styles thing. Um, yeah. Is she sitting at home? I mean, I guess she can't contribute all that much when it comes to like fighting, but, (laughs) but still she's smart. Yeah. Um, the funny thing about this gang is that more than anything, they are dealing with the consequences of Scott's actions. Hmm. Yes. Yep. And Scott spends the whole episode doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be very aware of that, but he's, he's still doing nothing. Scott is frustrated by his mm-hmm. inactivity, but essentially what this amounts to is Scott let this problem get so out of hand, you know, it, you know, everything he did was to prove that styles was himself as opposed to pushing everybody to be like, yes, it's styles. We need to take care of this. I don't want to kill him. And then, you know, using group resources to, try to make that happen it was so much more about shielding the nogetsune because of his allegiance to styles and now allison and derek and chris and the sheriff are on like this ridiculous wild goose goose chase to try to find him and they're listing all the places he can be um until the sheriff gets a notification that he's at home you know which is creepy terrifying I, uh, you said that you didn't think that we had like security systems on our phones in 2014 i I cannot remember. I can't either. Um, it doesn't mean it wasn't. I had like real. an iPhone four, so that doesn't sound super <laughs> advanced. But uh, they just wanted to advertise to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they're dealing with Scott's consequences, and then they're also dealing with the larger consequence of the entirety of season three, which is that they reawoke the Nematon. Yeah. And turned Beacon Hills into a beacon again. Pew pew pew. Um, which is uh, unfortunately not a thing that anyone really could have prevented because that ended up being their only option. Yeah. Um, and even in, and I think Teen Wolf is a, a show that knows better than any, that even your last option can bring forth the worst of consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, basically most of Teen Wolf is about putting band-aids on things and Scott putting a bajillion band-aids on styles being like, look, he's fine is exactly why they can't figure out where he is exactly how he escapes from Eichenhaus. Um, 
it's rough. And the, I think I mentioned earlier the scene with, with Allison and Sheriff in the elevator. It is really catching up to her. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of, I think because she's the girl, is the one who has is allowed to have like their big emotional breakdown over it. Um, not that I would ever anticipate <laughs> Argent to have an emotional breakdown over Styles or Derek for that matter. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, the weight of that is kind of finally realized. So it's so funny how askew the consequences are in the like sort of past story when how sort of real they are and the one that's happening now. But Allison is like, the, the sheriff is being so sweet. He compliments her on how well she's handling how crazy the situation is. And she just fucking loses it which is like that is of course when you lose it and I actually thought mm-hmm. that that piece of writing was really good where she was like don't compliment me on something that I can't even think about myself that whole elevator scene is really well written and really well executed by the those two actors uh-huh and it's a callback to an earlier um scene between them t- between the two because these two have very few scenes together because why would they have any scenes together mm-hmm. but the previous one where he stops Allison in the car when she's driving and she's just scream crying yeah and he's like you know pat pat <laughs> the sheriff would have been a great girl dad sometimes I'm like Styles could have been a girl and the show would have been the same possibly even better yeah um yeah we complain all the time about characters not being able to have a moment to acknowledge the trauma that they're going through. And the one thing that she says in this scene where I'm, I'm always like, say more, um, is she's like, I'm worried I made a mistake with Scott. Scott. Yeah. Which is like, that is long game trauma. That is from so long ago. So long ago. And like, not only is she feeling that about Scott, but she's so worried about Isaac. And then those two things must be so conflicting in her mind together. Um, it's a really beautiful moment. And, um, again, makes me, makes me sad for a whole host of reasons, but particularly because none of those things are going to get resolved. Yeah. Um, in terms of not facing consequences, how on earth could the sheriff get charges against Derek and, um, Argent dropped if they were like issued by the FBI. They do not explain that. And I really was trying to sit there and be like, Hmm, but maybe it was one of those things where they were like, um, we just can't talk about it because they were arrested for Katashi's murder. Yeah. I assume at that point it's like they, they don't have enough evidence yeah. Um, and the sheriff was the one who like advocated for that, I guess. Given the Teen Wolf writers a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, also, I guess if there were, I, I don't, well, there were charges filed, but I still don't know how long they can hold them. Well, you can, you can only hold people for a certain amount of time if you don't file any charges. Yeah. But, um, rude. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> we're talking. Uh, but I, I mean, I do think that, Obviously, Chris and Derek had nothing to do with it. No. Also, they could both produce bail because they both have hella money for some reason. They really do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the sheriff just gets him out of gets him out of jail. I guess gets him out of jail. It doesn't make a lot of sense. To no. Me. Um, uh, Derek is really just along for the ride, kind of in this episode. He's there to ask dumb questions about the chessboard. I thought it was extremely funny that Derek is the king uh, on the chessboard. Not that the king is the most important um, piece, far from it, but... Um, you think that Derek thinks he's the king? 
I think I think the show was really trying to emphasize Derek's importance, but they don't do any of that work in the actual episodes. So why am I supposed to believe that? Yeah, I mean, maybe this is sort of foreshadowing Derek's later powers that are supposed to come back. Because I feel like Talia was like the queen mm-hmm. of the Hail Pack. Yeah. And he is like rising to be the, the one who can turn into a wolf. Because that happens next season, right? I think so. Yeah. I just, I, fe- I felt the comment that's like, oh, you're heavily guarded to be kind of weird because it's like, no one's going to bat for Derek. No, that was actually an emotional guarding <laughs> comment. Um, <laughs> He's really like walls everywhere. Yeah, doesn't let anyone in. But I mean, ultimately, it's like, oh, he's at Derek's loft. So it literally has nothing to do with Derek at all. Yeah. He's nope. just at his house. Yep. Also, if he's, at, if he's at Derek's house, where's Peter? They don't live together. I know. He has a, he has a condo downtown, wherever downtown Beacon Hills is. Um, <laughs> just one of the weirdest bits of dialogue because it doesn't truly and oh my gosh that thing about you know how i said mentioned a couple episodes ago that you could smell his cologne like Mm -hmm. through the tv i can picture how ugly that condo (laughs) is it's like all black pleather furniture yeah it's like it's like it looks like a patrick bateman's apartment it's it's american psycho but not as good yeah but like no like with absolutely no 80s charm oh it's a great movie um yeah so Yes. Consequences. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, and you know, we were talking about like how like the consequences in Nishiko's story are like really unbalanced. It's ridiculous to me that now that is that that burden is now has to be carried by Kira. And she basically says like she's like, it's your job now and then gives her the katana, which is very cool. And I wish I had a katana just like in life. Um, but it, that, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at Nishiko, like, this is on you, all of it. And you're like, have fun, Kira. And Kira now, who has entered this story so late, has, you know, found these powers so late, is experiencing now, what, uh, like 70 years of consequences in the making? And she does not even know how to really control her power. So what's she supposed to do about it? Although she did lightning bolt the katana back together, which was crazy. Which was very cool. But uh, so not only is she placing that incredible burden on her daughter, but as soon as they walk out, like Nishiko is talking about the fact that she buried um, the Nogitsune fly under the Nematon. And she basically is like, well, it's those kids fault. Yeah. That he is back. No, ma'am. You called him down. Why did you bury him there also? Keep it in a jar. Keep an eye on it. Yeah, just like leave it in your closet. Mm-hmm. Um, the the amount of blame that the the, the adults want to place on the children, um, just kind of in general throughout Teen Wolf, and then in this episode in particular, is wild. Yeah, I think in general, like when in terms of adults, it's usually like adults doing shit, and then the children facing those consequences. Specifically, when we think about like Kate and Gerard, mm-hmm. and then Kate again. Kate again. And then Gerard again. <laughs> so <laughs> it is interesting. It is interesting how it's generational. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the things they have to face. Which um, is real. Generational trauma is very real. Yeah. And maybe that's what we amount to at the end of a very chaotic episode. Uh, do you want to move into Q's and O's? Let's do it. Do you have a question? Uh, my main question is how dead is Isaac? 
like <laughs> he was mentioned a couple times in this episode, and that which is I think the big reason as to why you felt um, him not being there, like his lack of presence. Mm-hmm. And Allison's like, I don't even know if Isaac is dying, and I'm like, he was dying, like actively dying like not getting better kind of dying i i just want to know what's going i want to check in medically with my favorite character (laughs) unfortunately um there are so many things about werewolves that we don't actually know because every single person who stepped in that water should have died instantly and that like that is how they plot to kill kali in the previous season and it doesn't work because she turns the electricity off so um but the concept is like oh it would have killed her so why is isaac still alive yeah i mean he wasn't barefoot he's handsome. but i don't know yeah sure he wasn't barefoot you got rubber soles but still yeah um he clearly was electrocuted yep yep i don't know um that was my only question do you have any questions <sighs> is there a difference between no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, is there supposed to be a difference between Satomi and other kind of, uh, other kinds of werewolves? Well, they mentioned that she's bitten and therefore has a harder time controlling her powers. And they say that if it's, a, if it's, it's new information, which it's not because Derek tells us that in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she seems to have the longevity thing that like other werewolves don't necessarily have. Like, Derek and Peter are aging at a normal rate, and the fact that Satomi shows back up with her pack and she's like, uh, newsflash, assholes, I've been alive this whole time is, like, pretty crazy. <laughs> it is nuts. Um, yeah, I just found it really weird the way that that was presented. Like, I literally think it could have just been like, oh, she's a werewolf, move on. Also, okay, I really feel like Nishiko should have known that she was a werewolf with her fox powers. Yeah. I want to know what kind of kids she is. Yeah. Are we supposed to know? Am I dumb? Did I miss it? I don't know. Oh, here's a question. Hmm. Uh, the fox and the wolf was referring to actually her and uh, Satomi. Satomi, right? Yes. Yeah, not Kira and Scott. Um, although <laughs> at the end, it is certainly implied that. Yeah. Um, any other questions? I don't really have any questions. Do you have uh, observations you'd like to share with the class? I a little bit mentioned the costuming and the hair. It's all like time appropriate. If not, if, at least like a sort of casual interpretation of, of time appropriate, but like, I can't imagine anybody is looking like that in an internment camp. The fully polished nails. No, I mean, I do think that there would be a certain sense of like decorum and like you do what you can. Yes. Because that's important to you as like a human being to, Maintain you dignity. Know. Yeah. Um, but the nail polish was like... <laughs> yeah. Mm. I looked it up. Um, apparently they never said it on the show, but um, Jeff Davis said in an interview, which means he made it up when they asked him, um, yeah. <laughs> that she was a celestial kiss- kitsune, which means light or heaven. But uh, we have no idea that is what very that actually cool means. Her. She's yeah. a god. Very cool. Yeah, but like what can... <sighs> I just have questions. This is my last observation Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know if i would have put this back together if i haven't gone back and watched uh like parts of supernatural in the recent (laughs) weeks due to personal reasons (laughs) i can't i can't believe uh but i mean in everybody knows that season four and five are good television but in like the end of uh season five spoiler julia who's watching supernatural for the first time unfortunately they like have to push satan back into hell (laughs) 
As you do. As you do. And they, it's referred to as the cage and the ground crumbles underneath. And that's how he goes in. Mm-hmm. And right as the ground is crumbling underneath the Nebaton, she's like, we had to put the, we released the demon from the cage and all through Supernatural, they refer to where Lucifer's held as the cage. And I really think it is a direct reference. Jeff Davis, we need answers. Yeah, we need answers. Right now. Also, I can't believe I just outed myself <laughs> of having like immense Supernatural. Well, I say immense. <laughs> Seasons one through five, supernatural <laughs> knowledge. Uh, it's fine. I feel like though We're anybody all... listening to this assumed that of me. We are literally all reverting back to middle school. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. I really think it's fine. I really think it's fine. Yeah. Um, if uh. anybody had thoughts on the supernatural <laughs> finale, I would love to hear oh, them. Oh, God. Good golly. That was my last observation. Do you have any more? Or yeah. any? Did I ask you? Um, you didn't, but, um, I, there was one really lovely moment when Kira has like put the katana back together and then her mom hands it to her and she's like doing the little, um, whatever. And Scott is looking at her and he's so impressed. He loves her. He loves her. Scott falls in love hard, man. And that's why he's such an Another reason as to why he's such an admirable character, he is so open with those emotions, like heart mm-hmm. on his sleeve type of dude. And it's really awesome to just watch him be like, she's so cool. Because that's what, also what I'm thinking, and I want him to be thinking it too. Oh, yeah. Like, the, fir- the first close-up on um, Arden Cho's face in the flashback, I was like, oh, she's so pretty. Yeah, she's She's cutie. so pretty. She's so cool. Yeah. She's so amazing. Yeah. Um, the Allison and Sheriff scene in the elevator we've talked about it extensively but it like it made me want to cry yeah it was really good yeah um yeah i think we i think we kind of covered most of the things that i had wanted to talk about i think we did i i again want to apologize for such a bummer of an episode uh leading us into the break we will have a christmas bonus episode coming up we're not entirely sure what we're gonna do yet um maybe we'll put a vote out on twitter so you guys can decide um but yeah uh, before we officially wrap up, do you have pack stats for us? Yeah, um, I'm gonna call it, like, two eyes, because we saw Satomi's eyes, like, twice, uh-huh. and her claws. No shirts that I can remember. Good, because that would have really, it would have really been, been inappropriate. In poor taste. Oh, kind of, just that he, Reese, when he's all burned up in Eichenhaus and this, like, skin is falling off, he's shirtless, but he's also skinless, so. So, we're not, we're just not gonna count it. Yeah. Um, we had a wonderful AT&T ad. And then whatever brand the sheriff's phone is, uh-huh. uh, Samsung, I would assume. Sure, I'm assuming. I have no idea. And no sirens, but some aggressive honking and the radiator. That counts as a siren. For um, apartment we'll noises. Do you have an alpha of the week? Kira. Yeah. I mean, no one else has really done anything to deserve that title, but she did put the katana back together. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I'll give it to Kira. And a little bit to Sheriff for being a good dad. A good dad and a good man good man yeah um wow i guess that about wraps it up for this episode of the teen wolf Wolf. if you could tolerate how sad this episode was uh, i hope you follow us on twitter <laughs> at teen wolf underscore real wolf. i swear we're really funny there our instagram is uh the same at teen wolf underscore real wolf. you can also follow us on tumblr at teen wolf Free wolf and our facebook group is teen wolf Free wolf podcast um join there join the discussion share the memes um, like I said, we are going to be done talking about the main show, uh, for the year. Um, cause we're going to go on our Christmas hiatus. You guys can expect a holiday bonus episode from us very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And other than that, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys, despite all things, have a wolf of a week. Ow. Ow.